Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. everyone and welcome to another edition of the Guardians Grace podcast. My name's Bill and I'm sitting here freezing in these garage because he's got the air turned down to 50 something. But anyway, welcome everyone to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast and I'm, as you already know, I'm sitting across the table from my Good buddy, former accountability partner, <laughs> Grace Guard Dog Steve. He was fired. And he, he didn't want the job anyway. <laughs> one thing we've never done is is called Bill our brother. My brother, Guard Dog Bill. Remember, he's our brother in this podcast, just like you guys are our brothers in this podcast. Absolutely. We are a family, a guarding grace family here, and we all have one goal in mind, which is to get this message about the grace that we use in the new covenant and how much we depend on the grace to fulfill the new covenant, because it fulfills the new covenant, not us. It's not just the fact that he died for you and all your sins are forgiven and that's the grace that you were given. No, the grace mentioned by the apostles was the power, the energy to live the Christian life. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit's energy to live the Christian life, the grace to live the Christian life, are you now going to try to attain the goal in your human effort? You'd be crazy to after you've learned how bad, don't you know, how bad Israel failed at the old covenant of just trying to keep the commandments and everything? Don't you know that Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and this grace towards me was not in vain because I labored harder than all the rest, but it wasn't me. It was the grace laboring in me, the grace being the power of Jesus laboring in me, the power of the Holy Spirit laboring in me. That's the definition of grace you need to know. Don't you know? Don't you know the definition of grace that pertains to this new covenant reality? Don't you know it? That's a big theme today. Don't you know? Yeah, there's certain things that you need to know in order to, let's say it, be pleasing to God. Yeah, and they were definitely things I didn't know. If you listen to last week's podcasts, We started in Romans 6. Romans 6, of course, is what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? Or some translations say, shall we continue sinning that grace may increase? And I thought, no, I should not 
continue sinning. So my focus became stop sinning. The, go the goal of my Christian life was to stop sinning or at least slow it down drastically, not even knowing really what the definition of sin was, for one, because sin to me was doing something you shouldn't do. Whatever. Embarrassing yourself. Yeah. And I went about trying to stop doing that. That was my goal, to stop sinning. Why is that? Why didn't it work? Yeah, yeah. Steve. Okay, because 99% of all the millions of Christians are going along with that mentality that as a Christian, I'm supposed to stop sinning. There should be a change in my life. And there, there should be. There could be change in your life. But the change does not come about by you trying hard to stop sinning. The, the change comes about by you trying hard to manifest the life of Christ to stop sinning. Not you gritting your teeth or not you with the Ten Commandment mentality say, I'm going to obey these commandments. You don't stop sinning that way. You stop sinning, which is what Guardians of Grace is all about to stop sinning. We're not giving the license to sin, but we're about stop sinning. And the way to stop sinning is to start manifesting the life of Christ. The way to stop sinning is not trying to stop sinning. That doesn't work. Accountability of partners and all those things do not work. But if you want to stop sinning, you have to start manifesting the life of Christ. Without manifesting the life of Christ, you will still be sinful. Well, we did a podcast two weeks ago, Steve, on a guy that wanted to stop sinning. And it was on Romans 7. There was this guy named the Apostle Paul, and he wanted to stop coveting. That was his goal, to stop coveting. How, how did he do? He produced, actually it was sin in him, the sin, which is something that we got to start sticking to, the fact that it's a noun, not the verb sinning. The sin produced in him sinning of every kind for a Apart from the law, he said, sin is dormant. If I could get away from the Ten Commandment, human effort treadmill, sin becomes dormant and I don't have to battle it all day. I should do this. I shouldn't do that. I, I want to do this, but I know not to. But I did it. I did it. Or I put my shoe in my mouth so fast that I didn't even realize that that was not what I wanted to say. I wanted to say something else, but I said the dumbest thing I wanted to say. Now, that's what gets me most of the time. I'm, I'm the guy who needs the Holy Spirit to stop putting my foot in my mouth. That's where I need God the most. So you mentioned that 
stop sinning is when Christ manifests his life in you. That's devoid of sinning. Yes. Okay. But to try in your own human effort to stop sinning produce sin of every kind. Oh, I was a basket case. But trying so hard and so frustrated. Well, just, let me ask just you let's this. talk about how bad that was. Look at your testimony. Look, <laughs> your, your testimony is a classic example of millions of people's testimony. Their testimony is just like yours. You're not the only one who has that testimony. I have the same testimony about how frustrated I was trying to do what I could not do. And what made it so frustrating, before I even became a Christian, I didn't struggle with these things. It was just that I thought, now I need to get those out of my life. And uh, They came and went. They didn't do really anything. They weren't torturing you, and they weren't battling against you, but... They weren't really even bad things. They were just... I was a social guy. I liked to hang out with my friends and have fun. Nothing wrong with that. But you weren't, But once they labeled it a sin and told you not to, to do, do it, it, it became a big problem. Yeah. A huge problem. And I, I went to... I, I did things as a Christian trying to stop sinning that I never even imagined I would do before I even knew Put it. yourself under the law. Let's so, call it for what it is. You put yourself... I put myself under the because law. Because of the preaching, they put you under the law. I was thought, shall we continue sinning, Then, shall we keep sinning? Because I told you that. I put you under the law back then. I didn't know any better. That's another thing. What does that mean? If the law caused me to sin, made sin utterly sinful, if sin shall not be your master because you're not under law but under grace, well, didn't Jesus say, don't think I came to destroy the law and the prophets, right? I came to fulfill it, and that's what he does when he manifests through us. See, it's all See, I didn't know what the thing. last part meant. I thought I'm still under the law. But Paul says in Romans 7, we haven't got to the Romans 6, don't you know? But in the Romans 7 says, do you not know that the law has authority only as long as the person is alive? So what did I think? I'm still alive. You didn't know that you'd been baptized within Christ Jesus' death. Yeah. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? I didn't know that. So it's, I thought the law still had authority over me. And that's because we have to get into the idea of eternal truths and temporal truths. The idea that you died with Christ in God's eyes is an eternal truth. Eternal truths you accept by faith. The Bible tells you about them and explains them to you and you accept them by faith and then they become things that you know about invisible realities that you had no way 
of learning about unless the Bible was written to tell you about those things. But now because they're written and you've read them, then the Bible can say, don't you know? Don't you know? It leads us to this question, Steve. I got a, a text from someone that listens to the podcast, a guy named Bob. We talked about him, awesome guy. And he had a very good question. So the, the question was, the it's a, it's a question that's been asked a lot of t- times. Does that mean once saved, always saved? It's literally become a cliche. It is. And the answer is yes and no. And I'll let you explain what that means, yes and no. Okay. It means absolutely, without a doubt, yes to all of us believers, to to the people who read the Bible and are a vessel to both the human nature and the divine nature, to that person who reads the Bible, who's called a child of God, it is definitely yes, without a doubt, not renegable. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And once he's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit, irrevocable. You you can't give it back. You are committed to living forever. That's why in 1 John it says, What a love he lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And such we are. We are the children of God that he loves. We are his offspring and eternal life is part of our inheritance, the fact that we'll live together, this vessel that reads and understands the Bible. Then there's a part, well, let me use 1 John as an example, why you could say yes and no. In 1 John 3, it says, a great love God lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Or for this reason, beloved, we are now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We are the children of God. You see that? As a believer, as a person who reads the Bible, we are a child of God in 1 John 3, 1 and 2. But look at what it goes on to say in chapter 3. It says, And you know that Jesus appeared in order to take away the sins, and in Jesus there is no sin. No one who abides in Jesus' sin No one who sinned has ever seen him or experienced him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as Jesus is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. He said he called us little children, and he even says little children here. And he says the one who practices sin is of the devil, and the one who practices righteousness 
is totally righteous, always has been, and always will be. Why is he telling the children of God about that? Because he's going to go on to say, the Son of God appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God commits a single sin because his seed abides in him he cannot sin because he has been born of God. No one who is born, no one who is a child of God sins not one single time. Pueo. 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 Okay. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. I was thinking all my life, picking daisies with my salvation every time I read First John. I'm saved. I'm not saved. I'm saved. I'm not saved. Well, this passage says the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does sin one time is not of God. So I'm going to myself, oh, I'm not of God. But it already said I'm a child of God. There, there's a, a contradiction there. It says now you are the children of God. Yes. And then it goes on to say, the one who does not love his brother abides in death. What in the world does all that mean? It's, it had me picking daisies with my salvation, but once I realized I am the vessel of God and I have a human nature, I have a divine nature and a human nature. And it says the divine nature never produces one single sin, never, ever, not a single time, but the human nature practices it, yes. sin, parazo. It practices sin. The human nature practices sin. And we have both the human nature and the divine nature. And that's why it can say, if you love your brother, you have passed from death to life. How do you pass from death to life? Do you resurrect again? I'm not even dead. How do I? How, how, see, the, the spirit gives life. The mind of the flesh is death. When you're in the mind of the human nature, the mind of the human nature is death. When you're in the mind of the human nature, that is called death many times in the Bible. But when you pass from the human nature back to the divine nature, then you've passed from death to life. You've gone from the child of the devil to the child of God. In other words, you've gone from flesh to spirit. And all that you can't understand unless you do the don't you know in Romans 6, 7, and 8 and find out what 6, 7, and 8 is clearly telling you about because it describes your human nature and it describes your divine nature. So now let's go back to Romans, wherever you want to go. Six, seven, or eight. I think you were Let's in go to seven. The don't you know? Yeah, I, th I think you were doing the Roman seven. Don't you know that anybody who's alive? Well, first we did. Don't you know that all that the law has authority over a person as long as they live? That's 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 seven two. Yeah, and that's a simple one. We can knock that out of the way. I think we should. It, it's easy to understand. 
the law has authority over a person as long as they're alive. But when they die, the law has no more authority over them because it doesn't need to have authority over them. That's why you don't give a list of rules to people that at the cemetery. No. Right, right. They comply. They won't be speeding anymore. No, they they don't play loud music. And in that, in God's eyes... Well, you, that, that's the thing. Okay, I understand that. The that law has authority over a person as long as I live, but I'm not dead. So I thought. So I thought. But Romans 6 answers this question right now. Because Romans 7 just said, don't you know that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives, but you're not alive? And Bill saying, no, but I am alive. I am alive. And I just said, Romans 6 answers that question with another, don't you know? And it's going to tell us an eternal truth that we have to know about ourselves as Christians. We have to understand the answer that's given in Romans 6 when it says, don't you know? So I'm in Romans 6, starting in verse 1, where the answer to one died for all, therefore all died, is being asked. They say, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? And Paul uses almost a a Greek curse word. He says, may it never be, how shall we who have died to the sin still live in it? Or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we also might walk in newness of life. Let me just chew on this because he says, don't you know an eternal truth? An eternal truth, and we're going to give you an example of what an eternal truth is. An eternal truth is a truth from God's view. It's from God's perspective is the truth that God wants you to know what God says is the truth and this is what he said about what happened on the cross and we can go to several other scriptures or I might just allude to them but they all paint the same picture this picture right here he says Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Do you remember when the two disciples were asking, can we sit at your right hand or your left hand? And he said, you do not know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And can you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? He had already been baptized before. We were talking about a second baptism, and the second baptism is explained in Romans 6 because Paul makes another curious statement. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And 
the next verse says, if he be lifted up on the cross, he will draw all men to himself. And we never saw that happen either. But here it is. Don't you know that God saw all men being drawn into Christ when he was hung on the cross and all men were baptized into his body. That's what it says. Don't you know that all of us have been baptized with Christ, have been baptized into his death. While he was dying on the cross, we were placed in Jesus in God's eyes, an eternal truth that we accept by faith, but God is telling us what he saw in these epistles. He's saying, I saw, when you saw my son being put up on the cross, I saw all men being drawn into Christ. They were baptized into him. As he died, they were baptized into his death. As he was buried, they were buried with him. And as he rose from the dead, they rose from the dead and were seated in the right hand of God in the heavenly places, Ephesians tells us. God saw all this from his vantage point. From our vantage point, all we saw was a man get nailed to a cross. Then somebody put a spear in him and he died. And then they drug him off and buried him in a tomb. That's all we saw. But God is saying, don't you know that much more than that happened? We were baptized into him. We died and paid our sin debt. We paid our sin debt because God saw us being drawn into Jesus and being baptized into him. Therefore, we paid our sin debt, paid in full. Don't you know that our sin debt has been paid in full, which is the very next thing he says in Romans 6. He says, for he who has died has been acquitted from sin in Romans 6, 7. For he who has died has paid his sin debt. Don't you know that? That God saw us pay our sin debt in full. That's why we can have eternal life. And when he put his spirit in us, we received eternal life. And we are saved forever because of what God mercifully saw and told us that he saw and told us to believe what he saw and to believe it so much that we now know it. Don't you know that we paid our sin debt and it is paid in full because of what Jesus did for us on the cross? You have to know that as an anchor for your Christianity. You have to know that as an anchor for your mind when you say, I did a terrible thing today. I did a terrible thing. Well, in God's eyes, Romans 6 explains that. Look at this. It says, don't you know, in Romans 6, 6, he says, you were buried with him in likeness of his death so that you can know this that the old man of us was crucified with Jesus Christ. That what is known as the old man of us was crucified with 
Jesus when he died on the cross. And what is known as the old man of us was buried and left in the grave so that the new man could be raised and seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. But the old man of you, of you, who just had a bad day and embarrassed you very bad, from God's point of view, the old man of you is past tense. He's so past tense that literally in the Greek, it says the ancient man of us died. Ancient man. That's how long in the past God saw you being baptized into Christ's death and paying your sin debt. You paid it so long ago that it was literally called the ancient man. That's why he can say, your sins and lawless deeds I remember no more because in his eyes, it happened a long, long time ago. In our eyes, it's happening right now. These are temporal truths that we see about ourselves, but you have to understand how important it is to know about temporal truths and eternal truths because even in this passage he talks about both eternal truths and temporal truths every time he's telling you temporal truths about yourself in these coming chapters he interjects an eternal truth just so that you know that you have eternal life that once you're saved, you're always saved. So he keeps putting in these eternal truths and we'll see them sprinkled in throughout the next coming chapters. But we have to understand this one idea. That's why these don't you knows are so important. The don't you know in chapter six, and then the don't you know that Bill just spoke about in chapter seven. Don't you know that a person is legally bound to the law as long as he's alive. But we just found out I died. Let me read it. Let me read it. It says, Therefore, brethren, you were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit from God. You see, it's, it's another, don't you know, we died to the law through the body of Christ, through being baptized in God's eyes, being baptized into Christ Jesus, dying on the cross, and being buried, like Bill always quotes, Paul, who said, I'm convinced of this one thing. One died for all, therefore all died. Because we were all baptized into Christ Jesus. That's why Paul and Bill could be so convinced of this one truth. Bill knows the don't you know. He knows that from God's point of view, we died and paid our sin debt. It resonates. It resonates with Bill. And if other things contradict that, they don't resonate. But he says, we were made to die through the body of Christ that we may be joined to him who is raised from the dead that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the human nature, the sinful passions were roused by the law. By the what? By the law. 
and were at work in the members of our body so that we would bear fruit for death. You see that? They were Romans 7 verse 5, the sinful passions which, no, 5, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members. Doesn't Paul say that in chapter 7 verse 22 just 15 verses later I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind making me a prisoner of the law of the sin which is in my members see what Paul is talking about at the beginning of Romans 7 he's explaining more about at the end of Romans 7 and it was all because he said, don't you know? And at the beginning of chapter six, he explained that, don't you know? Then he used that, don't you know, in chapter seven, because we were supposed to have gotten that. And then from there, he went and tied it into Romans 7, 22 and following. If you don't know, I would strongly advise you to stop. Yeah. And go back and learn it. Say that again. Tell them what they got to learn. Well, Steve just mentioned in John 12, Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the ruler of this world cast out. Who's that? The accuser of the one that's making you feel guilty. Now is the accuser of this world cast out. No more authority to make you condemn. But if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It's literally drag all men to myself. That's what you were talking about earlier. The cross was the judgment of the world, if we can accept this. Because Jesus said it. Yeah. No one knew what he meant when he said it. No. But Paul is saying, don't you know this? Yes. Don't you know what God saw? You can memorize the Old Testament and not know this. Right. Because people did. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know it. This was something that the Holy Spirit can bring out. Because the Old Testament is filled with this idea of corporate identity. This idea of one person doing it for all. Uh, one famous, and I'm sure everyone's heard this sermon about sin in the camp. Should we go there? We, we could. I could just... Just allude to it? Yeah. I, okay. We'll, we'll go to some, too, because they do help explain it. And the Old Testament is filled with them. Every page. But you remember Achan, Achan's sin. You, I'm sure you've heard sin in the camp. Yeah. Explain Sermons. the whole story. Though. Okay. So they were forbidden from taking, maybe we should. It, Israel was going to war with another country. And they were forbidden to take the loot, the booty, from that other country. They were supposed to slaughter everybody and not take anything from that other country. But this one guy, Aiken, decided this stuff's a little too good to pass up. So he took a few and few things and hid them under his tent. And then Israel went to war with AI, I believe it was. Mm-hmm, it was. And they got slaughtered. And 
Joshua was perplexed. Perplexed. So he went to God, went before God, and God said, "Israel has sinned." And then Joshua got a further explanation, and he said, "Achan, son of Carmi, I think it was, took things forbidden and hid them under his tent. Therefore, Israel sinned." Well, how did Israel sin? Because they sinned through this one man, Achan. One man sinned on behalf of all Israel. Therefore, all Israel sinned. Do you guys get this? Because this is all through the Old Testament. This idea of corporate identity, God just saturated. It's replete through the Old Testament. When I say replete, I really do mean it. It's on every chapter in the Old Testament. You can't find a chapter without it being there. It is with the idea that because one man sinned, all those people who had no idea, who were clueless about his sin, paid the penalty for that sin. And you say, that's so unfair, but we who did not know anything that Jesus was doing were getting the penalty paid for us because one died. Wasn't fair to Jesus either, but the the principle is there. This is a type or shadow of what Jesus was going to do for us. And there, you're right, they are everywhere. So Joshua didn't understand it and he went to God and he said Achan sinned so we, we don't understand it either we, we say I, I died when did I die well corporate identity Jesus said if I be lifted up on the cross I will draw all men to myself well how do you know he's talking about the cross because he said he said this to indicate the kind of death he would die. Exactly. Very next verse. That was a clue. That was a clue. And it's literally, I will drag all men to myself. It's not a voluntary thing like, who wants to be part of this judgment? Mm -hmm. Step forward. Mm -hmm. None of that happened. No. Everyone was judged for every sin they would ever commit in their whole life. When Jesus died on the cross, he did not just die to forgive you of your past from the moment you said, okay, I believe in Jesus, and from that moment forward, my past is all forgiven. That's what I always thought. He died to forgive you your whole life. Whether you believe it or not, he died to forgive you for your whole life. Rejecting it doesn't even make it not true. It just makes it unuseful and unproductive. You know That's what? why Paul says, don't you know? Go ahead. You know what we have to do? We have to kind of conclude this one, recapping the information that we were bringing up or that the Lord brought up through the Bible, recapping that information, and then next podcast we need to start off on eternal redemption that's mentioned in Hebrews that Jesus pulled off eternal redemption which is a redemption that was outside of time 
and encompassed all time from the first breath of man till the last breath of man. This eternal redemption encompassed that. That's why we who were born in the 21st century after Christ died still get credit for dying with Christ even though we were born after him. I think that deserves a whole podcast. That, yeah, that's the always saved That's part. the part that nails down always saved. That's why I was thinking we should do it. That will answer Bob's question. That part is true. The part about you never being saved from yourself and your own, your old man of us, you're not always saved from that. Not in the experiential realm. That's not why it's in the temporally realm. speaking, simpler, temporally speaking, you are not saved from that old man. He's torturing you every day. Yes. But is that the eternal point of view or the temporal? Nope. In in God's eyes, that was your former way of life. It's ancient way of life. You did that. That's what we're supposed to know. We have to know that and receive it by faith. We have to believe what the Bible explains to us. We have to believe that we died in God's eyes a long time ago. And believing that will go a long way to always living victorious life. When you're believing that, you you are living the victorious life. Yeah. I'm going to, um, which we never do, but I'm going to do it this time because it just fits right in. I'm going to end us with a teaser and then let you close us in prayer. Is that okay? That's okay with me. Okay. Here's the teaser. How can it be said that Jesus died before the creation of the world? Jesus died at the cross. Jesus died at the end of time and Jesus died at the right time. How can all those things be true? That's the questions we're going to tackle on the next podcast. So I'll allow Bill to close us in prayer. Thank you. I'm glad you're not asking me to answer that right now. (laughs) That's a great question. Father God, thank you. Thank you that we are always victorious in your life, even though we find that no good thing dwells in us, but your spirit does dwell in us. And when we abide in your spirit, we're abiding in you and abiding in the vine, and we're bearing much fruit. And apart from you, we can do nothing. We miss the mark every time. Teach us today to make the focus not on stop sinning, but on getting to know you and getting to know these truths that we just went over. It's in your name, Jesus, your authority, your power, and your wisdom that we ask this. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, may you manifest yourself through the guardians of grace all week long, Lord. Let them know that you're manifesting yourself through them. Allow them to see it, Father. We love you guys. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.